Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, November 27th, 2023. For more than 100 years, Emory University's Goisueta Business School has been a training ground for principal leaders and a laboratory for powerful insights. Whether you're looking to accelerate your career or make a career pivot, Emory's one-year and two-year full-time MBA programs prepare you for a lifetime of career confidence. Learn more about Emory's top 20 MBA with top five career outcomes, offering world-class academics and small-by-design classes delivered in a dynamic global city. More at emory.biz slash clearadmit. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So I just want to say, I hope everyone tuning in had a lovely Thanksgiving, if you celebrate, uh, and that the return to reality at work here on a Monday is at least somewhat eased by the comfort of this podcast. So um, I don't know if, you know, if people tune in, you know, religiously on Monday mornings, but that's when we tend to drop these, these episodes. So, um, but Alex, give us an update. Like what, when are people going to start getting into round one programs? Like what's, what's the news here and what can people expect this coming week? Well, we've had a little bit of activity on Livewire over the last um, week or two in SEAD. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and, and a couple of others. But, yeah, this week is is going to be quite a good week to, to really ease us into what we then call decision week. So this week, um, later in the week, um, Booth and London Business School oh, wow. um, okay. are releasing round one decisions. So, and then w- the following weeks, it'll be several schools. So, so yeah, this week we'll, we'll, we'll see a lot more activity, I think. And I did see on Livewire some of those INSEAD acceptances. And I, I think I also saw some NYU Stern acceptances. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there are some schools yeah. trickling things out. But yeah, it's going to start to come fast and, and furious, I guess, starting later yeah. this week. I mean, we, we, we love Stern, but I, I still can't figure out their, their process for releasing <laughs> decisions, whether it's interview invites or final decisions. It, yeah. It's always a mystery. So so for those that are listening and saying, well, you never talk about when Stern are releasing decisions, it's like, literally, we, don't know. we would have no idea. Yeah, it's a bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, but they're not alone. I mean, I think there's some other schools that follow this kind of, you know, um, yeah, more kind of trickle trickle them out approach. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think Stern does take it to an extreme. <laughs> I mean, again, fantastic program, yeah. lots of great people there. Yes. But they 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 stretch um, stretch it out. I mean, not stretch it out, but just it's quite mysterious how that process works. Yeah, agreed. Um, so this is another. This is actually an exciting week, not only for you know some admissions decisions coming at the end of the week, but uh, on November 29th, which is this Wednesday, um, we've got an event at noon Eastern with some masters in management programs. I've been plugging this the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to, we're going to sit down with what Chicago booth, Michigan Ross and Carnegie Mellon Tepper to talk about their masters in management. And we've got, uh, you know, the following week actually. So that's Wednesday at noon. So the following week on December 6th, we're going to do it again that time with uh, Duke, Emory, Georgetown, Kellogg and Notre Dame. So kind of two weeks in a row, some masters in management stuff. If you are a very young professional or someone who's literally just finishing college. These events are for you. Um, you just go to bit.ly forward slash clear admit MIM, M-I-M. So all, all lowercase, all one word. Uh, and the other thing is, if that wasn't enough, um, on Thursday of this week, at 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, Mike on our team is going to sit down and host a panel of leading MBA programs. So he's going to sit down with admissions directors from Berkeley, Cornell, Duke, 
Michigan, NYU Stern, UVA Darden, and Yale SOM. And a whole, we have this great set of questions that he's going to be peppering them with all about different elements of the admissions process and tips. So if you're applying in round two to any of the schools that I just mentioned for their kind of traditional MBA programs, this is definitely an event to catch. And that's also available. You can sign up at bit.ly forward slash CA top tips, all lowercase, all one word. So so for that event, you said... um Haas, Johnson, Duke, Ross, Stern, Yale. Am I missing one? Yeah, UVA Darden. Yeah. Oh, Darden. Yeah. yeah. yeah very so, good. I mean, seven really great schools, and and the questions. Yeah. I I got a peek at the questions um, that they're <laughs> that they're going to be asked, and there's some really good ones in there because it starts with kind of you know Mike's going to ask them some general questions about essays, recommendations, all the pieces of the application um, process. But then there are some kind of uh, audience submitted questions that are a bit deeper dive stuff. So it should be fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, join us for that. And it's a rare thing we're doing something in the evening U.S. time. So it'll be well, I guess it'll be like 4 p.m. if you're in California, but you know, 7 p.m. on the East Coast and 6 p.m. in Chicago and stuff. So should be fun. So they timed that so you can't host it, Graham. They did. Yeah, I'll be hopefully sleeping at that time. <laughs> um, but in any event, should be fun. Uh, and then the other stuff, Alex, we've got, again, lots of great content on the website. We ran an admissions tip about how you can show a school that you mean business, no pun intended. Um, and it's basically just about, you know, how to go about conducting research and sharing that research in your essays and materials to be kind of convincing um, when it comes to, you know, just genuinely uh, sharing that enthusiasm you have for a given program's offerings. Uh, So you can check that out. And there are a bunch of videos that accompany that admissions tip on the website from our admissions academy. Uh, so good stuff there. And then you'll be pleased to hear, Alex, that we did another sustainability series uh, post. This week's uh, guest for sustainability stuff was Michigan Ross. And so we asked them like, well, what can students do who are interested in sustainability um, to kind of, kind of learn more about this stuff in business school? And they responded, I'll, I'll just read this out. They responded, number one, students have the opportunity to enroll in the Herb Institute a three-year joint MBA MS program in collaboration with our School for the Environment and Sustainability. So that's the, if you're all in, you can do a three-year program. It then goes on to say, let's see, uh, number two, MBA students can pursue the environmental, social, and governance concentration in the standard two-year timeframe. This program launched in the fall of 23, was developed in partnership with student leaders and faculty. Out of 57 total credits, students acquire 12 credits through a collection of classes within Ross and the School for Environment and Sustainability. So that's the second thing. And then they said, there's a third path. They said, number three, all students have 25 to 30 elective credits available to them, and they are encouraged to take classes tied to sustainability so that they gain a new perspective. So lots going on at Ross in sustainability. <laughs> so so that new program you talked about, that's just been launched? Yeah, just this fall. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. And they have a school for environment, the environment and sustainability. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. A whole like area of the university dedicated to this. Is that common across across major universities? I mean, I think it's increasingly common. I know, yeah, um, yeah there, are, there are several uh, top MBA programs that happen to be part of universities that offer that stuff as well. Yeah, so it's not that uncommon. Um, I want to say Yale comes to mind. Uh, the, yeah, there are other schools out there, definitely. So, yeah, but no, yeah it's I, I think here. all this is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and timely. So we couldn't have yeah. launched this series at a better better time. Yeah. Uh, the last thing, um, well, I got a cu- couple more things, actually. So number one, we did a Real Humans about Johns Hopkins Carry School 
School of Business. And we caught up with one of the students we talked to was this guy named Ashish, who's from Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, we always asked him, like, what's one thing you would absolutely do again as part of your admissions process? And he said, I spent a significant amount of time revising my essays and had multiple people give me feedback. I think this not only made my narrative more compelling, but also helped me to develop a deeper understanding of the rationale of my own interest in business. So, you know, again, this underlining the fact that always helps to get some feedback from a third party when you're replying to these schools, get somebody to read your materials and give you, you know, their thoughts. Yeah, but also, Graham, I think it it brings up another point. The 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 utility of the the MBA application process beyond simply getting admitted to the programs you want to go to it that self that introspection that you have to go through to put together great essays I think is useful um, just to really know where you are in your career and what you want to do yeah. and plan to do so so I think the I, I think that's a really interesting point yeah definitely um, and I think we hear that time and time again on these panels that I MC where you know the schools are saying like hey it's not just about getting in it's about like doing this reflection so that you can figure out what you want yeah. Um, so yeah. I totally agree with that um, so yeah there there are four or five students that we talked to from Johns Hopkins so check that out that's a, a kind of newer MBA program but obviously pretty strong in life sciences I mean this this guy is actually in, in medical school and the MBA at the same time so um, pretty interesting stuff you can read on the website we do have two new employment reports that we shared on the website as well. So we have Cornell and Yale who published like the, you know, results from the graduating class of 20, what is it? 23, right? So Alex, I'll just give you the numbers. Curious to get your take. So over at Cornell, 93% of those students seeking employment had offers within three months of graduation. That's down a tick from 97%. Uh, for the class of 22. Uh, the average starting salary was $163,000. That's up from 155. dollars uh, And then we get into the kind of industry placements. So for Cornell, we've got 42% going into consulting. That's actually up from 30%. Financial services is the next biggest category. 35% of Johnson grads going into financial services. That's down a tick from 39% last year. Technology, 11%. That's off from 15% in the prior year. And then rounding out the top five industries, we've got consumer packaged goods at 4%, basically unchanged from last year. And then healthcare, medical services, and pharma at 3%. Um, that wasn't in the top five last year. It was manufacturing that took the top, that took the fifth spot last year, but um, also at 3%. So those are the kind of industries. Um, and then Alex, one last thing with Johnson is the regional placement. So 52% of these folks seeking work um, landed in the Northeast, 15% out West, 9% in the Midwest, 7% Mid-Atlantic, 7% South, and 7% Southwest. And the only thing to note there is the Northeast number is up a tick. It was only 50% last year. It's 52 this year. And the West Coast is down a little bit, as is the Midwest. So, yeah, what do you make of these numbers out of Johnson? Yeah, I mean, they're quite consistent, aren't they, with other programs that we're seeing in terms of their employment reports. We're mm-hmm. still puzzled with how strong consulting numbers are in terms of their being reported um, and, and, and so forth. Um, Johnson, I think we know by reputation is very strong in financial services, investment banking and so on and so forth. So they have a, a, a slightly larger proportion in, um, in in that category, even if it's just dropped a little bit um, um, this year. 
Um, and yeah, the, the sort of regional focus doesn't surprise me. I mean, those folks going to the West Coast um, from Johnson, I would hazard a guess, um, a portion of those came from the West Coast. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're going to go to Johnson, you're not going to Johnson necessarily to, to then want to go out to the West Coast. I think people target Johnson more so because they want to be in, in, in the Northeast. Um, and again, you know, sort of that sort of New York area with financial services and so on and so forth. So, so yeah, the numbers don't surprise me at all. Yeah, I mean, one thing interesting about Cornell is, you know, they're they're nicely distanced from, you know, it's 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 not too far to get to like New York, Philadelphia, or Boston. Um, even though they're right. you know they're remote and it's this close knit kind of environment, but they're not far from any of those three cities. I mean, it's drivable. Um, so, the other thing I would just add on on them is that you're right. That financial services number, even though it's off a little bit from last year, at it's thirty. 5%, which is pretty big. I mean, we don't yeah. see that at a lot of the, the schools. So they obviously have a strength there. Um, so anyway, let's move on though and talk about Yale. So Yale, you know, again, reporting on their class of 23 numbers, they reported that 92% of their grads had offers within three months. That's down as well a little bit from 96%, which is kind of what we saw with Johnson. Uh, their average starting salary is $175,000. Um, so up from 160 last year. Uh, consulting held pretty strong at 44.1% out of Yale. It was 46% uh, last year. Finance, 22.2%. That's actually up just a hair. It was like you know, 1% lower last year. Uh, technology is at 10%. That's actually up a little bit from for Yale. It was 7.6% the year prior. And then they have another category, and this is what makes Yale a little bit more complicated, which is retail slash e-commerce. And that number is at 6.5% unchanged. So I, I often wonder about you know how much of that e-commerce stuff is tech and should it be thrown in with tech to get a better sense of apples to apples comparison. Um, And then healthcare was the fifth largest category at 3.1%. It actually replaced uh, consumer packaged goods. So I guess maybe consumer packaged goods was off a bit. Um, It was 5% last year, but it didn't make the top five here this year. So it must be below or or around 3% if I had to guess. Uh, In terms of the regional placements for Yale, we've got 55.1% landing in the Northeast, and that's up from 49% last year. Uh, West Coast, they sent 15% out West. That's down from 20% in, in the prior year. And then the rest of these categories didn't move too much. Mid-Atlantic is close to 10%, very similar to last year. Uh, the Southwest, 5%. That's actually up a little bit. And then Midwest, 4.2%. South, 1.9%. So these are pretty similar numbers. But um, Alex, what do you make of these Yale figures? Yeah, again, just very much in line with what, what we're hearing from other programs. Yale, um, many would argue, is in a tier slightly above um, Johnson. That's reflected in the um, starting salaries um, coming out. Um, but the, the profile in terms of consulting um, versus um, financial services and tech is is not surprising. Yeah. Um, and the regionalization. Yeah. So everything sort of is falling into line. We're, we're, we're seeing consistently across top schools. These are all top programs that that consulting has held up in terms of jobs offered. <laughs> it's just when, <laughs> when did they actually start these jobs might be a, yeah. a, 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 a question. And, and, you know, is there going to be 
next season a little bit of a, a, a hiccup on, on the consulting side. Yeah, and you're referring to the fact that we know, um, I think it was McKinsey or some of these companies are on the record as saying that they made offers to MBA grads, but that the class that they've admitted, they've delayed their start date to January. So a lot of these folks who are on this list as being a part of the percentage of people getting consulting jobs, despite having graduated last May, may not have even started work yet because they're probably slated to start in January. Um, right. and, and who knows, maybe it'll be pushed further. I, I don't know. But yeah, so the numbers probably look okay this year. And we've said this before, um, but I, I'll be curious to see how they look next year. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how this all goes. Um, but Alex, yeah. I don't have anything else other than the candidates that you've picked out. I do want to remind people, if you want to send Alex and I, um, you know, chocolates for the holidays or whatever, you can always um, reach out and you can write to us at info at clearedmit.com and we'll send you Alex's address so you can, you know, send things his way. Always oh, use, <laughs> use the subject line wiretaps. Um, but in any event, anything from you, Alex, before we move on? No, let's kick on. All right. So we're going to start with wiretaps candidate number one. So our first candidate this week has six schools on the target list, and those schools are Columbia, Harvard, MIT, Stanford, Chicago, and Wharton. So a pretty competitive group there. Uh, They want to start school next fall. They've been working in tech uh, prior to business school, and they want to get into consulting or maybe in the longer term, there's a family business that they might get involved with. Uh, They want to target Bain, BCG, and McKinsey in the short term as employers. Uh, Their GMAT score is a 730. They have a 3.7 undergraduate GPA, and they've been working for just about four years. Uh, This candidate is actually located in South Africa um, and wants to land in the States. And they just, you know, wrote on Applywire that they're looking for feedback on their profile, um, especially for Harvard, Stanford, and Wharton. uh, And that they're just wondering if like their GMAT and everything else is kind of sufficient. And they mention um, that they're a white male from South Africa. Uh, They worked in a tech firm, in a rotational program, uh, I guess for I guess they did a year as a data analyst, six months as a product owner, and now they're responsible for a new uh, financial services department, which they've been doing for about six months. And they're responsible for like a new product, and they've grown revenues from about fifty thousand pounds to two million annually. So um, nice, nice things happening there. Uh, they did mention that they studied industrial engineering and finished in the top ten percent of their class uh, as an undergraduate. And they also have CFA level one completed. So they do say, as I mentioned earlier, they want to get into management consulting and then in the longer term join their family's technology business. And they do some outside activities, um, a little bit of charity work. They actually um, created a finance course at their company, um, I guess, to teach folks. Um, have to kind of find out more about that. But in any event, they've got some other things that they do. And I, I know you left them a comment. I don't know if they've responded yet. But Alex, do you want to talk us through what you make of this candidacy? Yeah. In terms of um, other activity, a bit of charity work, they actually started a, a, a an organization focused on animal welfare. That's right. Yeah. And they hold events and raise donations and stuff. So I actually really like that. Um, it sort of shows a different sort of uh, side of, of, of the personality and what's important to them, what they're passionate about and so forth. Um, so I really like that. Um, you, you know, their numbers are great, aren't they, really? That combination of a 3-7 graduating top 10% of their class, getting a 730 GMAT um, right at the median for, for the top programs, basically, maybe 
a, t a tad below the median, uh, the very, very elite. Um, but, but still, I think that all looks good. Um, at work, it looks like they've progressed well through a rotational program. Um, obviously, that's all got to be backed up by strong wrecks and so, so on and so forth. But I would assume that will um, that 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 will be evident. Um, so, so I like the work experience. Um, I like the the outside of work stuff. I like the numbers. Um, their goals make sense. They want to you know get some experience through through elite management consulting firms, like a lot of. Um, top MBA candidates do um, before they then return to the sort of the tech industry. Mm -hmm. And I think it's their family tech industry that's going to be their long-term focus. So, so I mean, I, it's not clear to me if that's where they've started through their rotational program, because that's also in tech. Yeah, um, that is a really important question. <laughs> yeah, no, but their plans all make sense, Graham. So, so they're really targeting... And and that question is: Are they um, is M seven accessible for them? And I would say, on the surface, as long as they execute well, um, you know, they're from South Africa, so it's not an overrepresented country. Mm -hmm. So that sort of type of experience is going to be attractive um, for for adcom and so forth. Um, I would think that they would, you know, with with strong app execution. They, they would be viable for, for, for the M7 programs. They, they've skipped Kellogg. I'm not sure what's wrong with Kellogg in their eyes. Yeah. It's like they, they targeted six of the M7. I'd feel a bit lonely if I was Kellogg um, in their case. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah, to me, this looks quite solid, M7. Is it Harvard-Stanford? That's going to be a bit of a challenge. They're going to have to have really shown some 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 real strong impact at work i think um for, for for the harvards and the stanfords this to me looks wharton and and certainly um the rest of the m7 seem seem quite appropriate for this candidate and if they aren't successful they'll only had four years of work experience at this point so it might be that they can regroup and come back next season with a with a slightly stronger profile um, possibly, mm -hmm. or um, and so forth. So I'm not sure that they want to then, you know, go go for a safety school or whatever, Graham. But maybe you, you you'd want to comment on that. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. They can apply to the best of the best, and then see where the chips fall, and always come back next cycle. I do want to call attention to a couple of little things. So you mentioned like, oh, is this current tech experience within the family business? Because that might change things. That would require you know, them to be pretty vigilant about getting very legitimate recommendation letters, not from family members, so on. Right. Uh, and to just demonstrate that they're excelling, you know, not just because they're you know, the boss's kid or something. So yeah. I'm, I'm assuming though that this work experience is not in the family business, but if it is, they would need to address that. Yeah. And the other thing I want to just mention is they have... Uh, aside from the nonprofit they set up to do animal welfare stuff, they do um, they did set up like a tourism startup, and they mentioned they're not making much money from it, but um, they basically help provide accommodation, transportation, and different solutions for tourists, uh, presumably those coming to South Africa. And I think that actually could be interesting too, only because 
you don't do that if you're not kind of proud to sort of show off your country yeah, and, and yeah. introduce others to it. And that's a, a trait that I think would, you know, really work well in the MBA community. I can actually still remember there was a South African in my cohort at, at Wharton. And I still remember because, again, this guy that I that was in school with was a real champion of like, you know, oh, you got to come to South Africa. And, and also just had a lot of interesting kind of business perspective to share that was a little bit different from the Europeans or the Asians or the Americans in the room, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, it was just so I think this person does tick some boxes and could be competitive at these very top schools. You know, I mean, their GPA and GMAT are certainly, you know, going to keep them <laughs> in the running. Uh, you know, I guess you could say that um, that three, seven top 10% of their class is, you know, really impressive, especially in an engineering degree. Yeah. So I, yeah, I feel like they, they tick most of the boxes. And as you say, it's going to come down to execution. Yeah. Um, can they put together a great application or not? So uh, we shall see. <laughs> Best of luck to them. I'll just make one more comment about family business, just in case folks are thinking now that actually family business is discriminated against. I mean, the other, so so Graham makes the point that, you know, you really need to make sure that the recs support the fact that um, you've done well and they need to be um, independent and, you know, not recs from family members and so forth. But the advantage of working in a family business is potentially that you get opportunities to do things and to have a level of impact that you might not have ordinarily have gotten in a in a in another business. Um, yeah. So so we do see some really strong candidates coming out of family business simply because they had that additional opportunity to really have that impact. Yeah, great point. You get to wear more hats um, and and yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. so I, I could not agree more. So yeah, there are definitely upsides to it as well. So um, in any event, thanks to that person for sharing their profile and yeah, I wish them the best of luck. They're probably going to be working fast and <laughs> furious on their applications now as we head off to round two deadlines. So uh, best of luck to them. Let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So our second candidate this week uh, is applying to just five schools. Uh, they've got Columbia, Cornell, Dartmouth, NYU, and UVA Darden on the list. Uh, they want to start school next fall, and they've been working in financial services and risk management prior to business school. They actually have six years of experience in that domain, and they want to pivot into straight-up consulting. And so they've got Bain, BCG, Deloitte, and McKinsey on their target list. Their GRE is a 326, and their GPA is a 3.3. This candidate is located in Canada looking to land ideally in New York after business school. And they did share some additional background notes, which I think are of import as we kind of assess their background. So number one, uh, this candidate's female uh, of East Asian origin, um, attended a top three Canadian university, uh, hard double quant <laughs> major. Uh, and, you know, they feel like um, their GRE, which is a 161 on the quant, is a little bit low but they would prefer to focus their time on applications for round two. So they've been working basically at a big five bank in Canada, and they've moved up from business analyst to more of a kind of quantitative analysis role. And their fear is that they've kind of gotten pigeonholed. So they want to pivot into consulting after the MBA. And they're happy to emphasize like financial services consulting, but they just feel like they need to kind of um, get a broader perspective. And then eventually they see themselves exiting consulting and, and, and heading into like um, financial product management or something. So going back to finance, but after that sort of broadening experience. So they're a little bit worried about their low GPA, what they, what they describe as a lower GPA, 3.3. 
and their not so high quant score, but they're hoping that their work experience and quantitative background, you know, what they studied will help. So Alex, yeah, what do you make of this? Is this person, should they be worried about, you know, the, the target school list is kind of a mix of, you know, what I would call they have Columbia, which is an M7, and they've got a bunch of other top 16 type schools on the list, but should they be worried about this 326, 3-3? Um, yeah, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, our, our previous candidate was clearly targeting M7, whereas this candidate sort of, um, really targeting top 16. Yeah. Um, they've got one M7, so that would be their reach, and, and they're focusing on, on top 16. They might want to consider, like, Tepper as a, as a, as a potential safety um, if, mm-hmm. if, if they do have those additional concerns. Um, Tepper sort of fits on the outside of that top 16, I would argue. Uh, but, but, you know, it's definitely... Um, um, still, still a strong program, certainly for the goals that this candidate has. Um, um, she's originally from East Asia, so I looked that up. I think that means she's from China um, or, or sort of in in, in that region. Yeah. And yeah, maybe twenty years ago that would have put them in slightly overrepresented um, bucket, but that we're seeing less um, um, candidates of, of China heritage, uh, I guess, applying to top programs in the US. Um, so, so I'm not as worried about that. Um, so round two should be fine for her. Um, 326 GRE 33 GPA is lower than our first candidate, right, which is 730 GMAT 37 GPA. But again, she's targeting top um, 16, not M7 as, as ideal. Um, her GPA, as you say, out of Canada, probably doesn't have the grade inflation that we generally see in the U.S., um, I'm not commenting on South Africa because I'm not as familiar, but the, our South African candidate was in the top 10% of their class. I don't think 3-3 would put them in the top 10% in this case, but probably it doesn't represent a, a 3-3 from the US. Um, so, But 326 is a decent GRE score, right? It's going to be at mm-hmm. average or above the median for these target programs. Right. Um, yeah, the quant is only 161, but it's over that 160 threshold, so I think that, that should be fine. Their, their quant work is, or their work seems to be quite heavily quant-focused. Um, I'm not sure. Oh, she had a hard double quant major as a student. So I, I don't think there's going to be any quant concern here, Graham. Um, so, um, you know, I, I would think, you know, it would be nice to see some extracurriculars um, to sort of round out the profile. Maybe there's some hobbies and interests that this candidate brings to the table that they didn't include as extracurriculars. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it would be interesting to learn a little bit more about um, if, if that is the case. But overall, I think this is a pretty decent profile um, for top 16 programs. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think um, we beat this drum a lot, but I feel like, you know, people who say they don't have any extracurriculars, often they're narrowly kind of defining what those are. And so I, I would encourage yeah. her to think about, you know, does she have any hobbies or, you know, um, exercise or things that she does regularly besides going to work? And there must be something yeah. and that can be listed as something you do. Uh, I would say, I have one question for you, because I agree, there's there's no great inflation in Canada. I'm not worried about her GPA as a result. It's a double major quant, G, G, you know, GRE all that stuff. So I only question I would have for you is I think if she executes and and you know has some outside interests, um, she'll get into some of these schools on her list. My only question to you is 
you know, she wants to work in consulting after business school and then get back into kind of finance related stuff. Um, should she take a flyer on like a Wharton or another M7 program or, or is this the right list? And, you know, she should just, you know, be happy with that. Or, I mean, Chicago is another one that comes to mind too, but, you know, I just was wondering about that. Cause I think she will get into at least one of these programs on the current list. Yeah. I mean, I think that's possible. Um, and, and Wharton, I think, would be the one because she's heavily focused on schools, I think, in that sort of northeast. Yes, she um, wants corridor. to be in New York, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and she wants to be in New York. I, I mean, Chicago obviously sends, sends plenty of folks to New York, but uh, Wharton might be the one um, um, to mm-hmm. look at. Um, and and Tepper on the other end, because I'm a little worried that with six years of experience, um, she definitely wants to get into school this season, whereas right. our previous candidate was coming up to four years of experience Good point. at 25. They have a little bit more luxury there mm-hmm. um, to only focus on, um, uh, you know, their, their, you know, the elite program. So so I think they definitely need to make sure that they've got a safety in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, why not take a flyer at Wharton? Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, they've got Columbia in there. I'm I'm interested to see how because because I would be cynical if they had Columbia in there last season because early decision would be over right. and we know how notoriously difficult it was to get into Columbia enrolling yeah. admissions right now Columbia's changed their process but I've still got a little bit of a legacy cynicism <laughs> about how tough it might be to get into Columbia in round two yeah so so hopefully we'll 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 get over that after this season so. I guess my point is, um, I think Columbia could be a bit of a bogey um, M7 to target. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's worth also targeting another, just to, yeah, like, like you say, and that could be Booth, it could be Wharton. Yeah, okay. Um, well, I appreciate her sharing her profile. Again, I think she'll do yeah. fine. She needs to execute, um, but good luck to her. She, again, just like our first candidate, gets to work on all these applications for round two. Um, Alex, we're going to stop there. We just did two candidates this week, but it's an abbreviated week with Thanksgiving while we're recording here. Um, and you know, I know you're going to be heading off on some vacation, and I'm going to be taking some time too. So uh, we'll be back, though, next week, as always, um, to record another episode. But yeah, thanks for picking these candidates out. And yeah, for all the great conversation, as always. Yeah, brilliant. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving that celebrate and good luck and, and stay safe.